0: Well, good morning, church. Welcome to Emmanuel. I hope you're excited to be here today. This is the fourth time I'm giving this talk, so I'm pretty fired up. I'm familiar with this content. I'm about to unload it on all of y'all. Hey, if you're a first-time guest with us here today, my name's Danny. Thanks for accepting someone's invitation. Uh, Maybe you drove by, maybe someone invited you and you're here and we're just excited. Uh, Usually I'm the guy that gives the talk most of the time. We do have other communicators, but today it is me. We're in a series right now called Adulting. Before we get into it, I want to welcome everyone watching online, or online campus. Can we give it up to them? Awesome. All of our campuses, Franklin, Greenwood, Banta, welcome you. Uh, We're in a series right now called Adulting. What we said is there's no epidemic of maturity going on in our world today. You agree, yes or no? Like, real people are having a difficult time growing up. And what we've been saying, the big idea in this series, if this is the first time you're here today, is that just because time goes by doesn't mean people grow up. How many of you know someone who's 30, 40, 50, maybe even 60 and they're still acting like they did when they were in their late teens, early 20s? Anyone? Yeah, time has passed and they have not grown up. And then there's these younger people, late teens, early twenties, they're they're demonstrating incredible maturity. It's like, wow, we we, this is what we say about these people. They're so mature for their age, as if age had something to do with it, right? And so it's not age that grows us up, it's the choices that we make. So we're talking about five or six choices we gotta make to grow up. Isn't this fun? You were here last week, we talked about some tough stuff. We said you got to take 100% responsibility for your life. We have to stop blaming others for the condition of our life. I'm not suggesting, or I didn't suggest last week, that you own the things that are not your fault. What I'm suggesting, or what I was taught last week, is that you own the current condition of your life and how you're responding to the things that you had no control over. That was last week. That was tough. Week number one, we talked about facing reality. We have to stop living in denial. You cannot fix what you do. Do not, say with me, face, okay? Well, last week was own, first week was face. Anyway, all right. So today we're talking about our third choice that we need to make in order to grow up. Before we do that, I want to dive into some funny stuff from Twitter, okay? Some Twitter fun stuff. Adulthood becomes official when you walk into Target and you get the same feeling you used to get when you walked into Toys R Us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> There's like a dopamine rush to your brain. It's like, whoa, look at all this stuff, right? Another one. I'm an adult, I whisper as I try not to panic while I'm filling out those forms. I don't understand. Anybody? (laughs) In a doctor's office somewhere? (laughs) Insurance, whatever. Here's another one. This is fun. When younger people ask for the advice and you realize you're actually the adult in the room. Scary. (laughs) This is my favorite this week. Adulting is not being able to function in the morning without coffee. Anybody? (laughs) I don't know how kids do it. Anyway, anyway. Again, welcome to Emmanuel, adulting. We're, series, we're in this series, what we said is that time doesn't grow us up, it's our choices. Let's talk about our third choice and we'll dive right in. Let's get to work. Adults choose to pay the, say it with me, the price. Come on, a little bit louder. The adults choose to pay the price. And people who are immature refuse to pay the price. Pretty simple. Sam Nunn is a guy that used to be a lawyer, politician, now he heads up. He's the co-chair for the Nuclear Threat Institute, okay? Kind of a big deal, kind of stop nuclear war. Sam Young, he said, uh, none, he said this, I love this quote. He said, You'll find that everything in life exacts a price, and you'll have to decide whether the price is worth the price. This is so true in life. I don't care if it's marriage. I don't care if it's your financial life. I don't care if it's your work life, your, your, your business, whatever, wherever you hold it down, down a job. I don't care if it's if you're parenting. By the way, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. I don't care if you're a father, if you're a mother. There is always a price for the good things in your life. The way I wrote it in your notes is this. Anything worth having does not come easy. It's so true. You want to be in shape, it doesn't come easy. You want to have a great marriage, it doesn't come easy. Right? You, you, you want to have a great business, it doesn't come easy. You want to have a great relationship with God, it does not come easy. These things always exact a price. I'll never forget when this, this idea came to me so clearly. I was in the seventh grade. This is back when Michael Jordan was on the rise. It was, it was the early 90s. Anybody remember living in those glory days? beautiful time to grow up as a kid especially being a boy and so Michael Jordan was starting his whole shoe thing jumping from the free throw line tongue out ah, you know dunking on people just becoming all awesome by the way he never got swept in the finals I just wanted to point that out just a thought just a thought I don't think he ever lost in the finals anyway anyway um where was I? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I'm in the seventh grade. Michael's on the rise. Everybody wants to be like Mike. Remember the Gatorade song? I want to be like Mike. I was, I was one of those kids. Okay. Uh, couldn't afford the real shoes, so I got the fake ones. Remember the fake Jordans, the Olympians? Got those. Okay. So, my, so, so seventh grade. Never forget it. Never forget it. Um, we're 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 at we're at practice. My my coach's name. First day, first day of practice, basketball practice. My coach's name is Lenny. Okay. He's one of those like intense New York, Staten Island, Italian guys. Okay. Just just thick Brooklyn accent, you know, just, and he is just wanting to make an impression on us first day of practice. He, so, so he has us sit down in the middle of the court, he says, boys, look at the four corners, the four corners, look at them. And we're looking, and he's like, there's a bucket in every corner. So we're like, oh yeah, there's a bucket, like a pail. And he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start running suicides. Now that's back in the day where you could use the word suicide because it wasn't, you know, so such a sensitive word. And the suicide was basically when you started on the baseline, you ran to the foul line, back to the baseline, Half court line back to the baseline, other free throw line back to the baseline, other baseline back to the baseline. And when you were done, you felt like you were going to die. So they called suicides. So he says, boys, we're gonna, we're gonna grow you up. We're gonna run suicides. And, and, and if you have to throw up, I'll never forget. It. If you have to throw up at any time during this practice, you go to the corner, you throw up in the bucket and you get back on the baseline. And all of us, uh, seventh graders are going, this is the coach from hell, you know? <laughs> what have we done? Where's my mommy? You know, it's like, I don't wanna grow up. But we were trapped. We were trapped. Lenny trapped us. It was a great season. Learned how to take a charge in seventh grade. People don't know how to play defense anymore. Anyway, another story for another day. <laughs> he did something inside of my brain that season. And here's, here's what I just remember. I wanted to be like Mike. Remember, tongue out. Uh-huh. I wanted, I wanted to be a great basketball. He taught us that if you want to be a basketball player that had any significant or of any value or or, or or you have any quality to your game, you had to pay the say it with me price. That's why I love sports. Because the same thing that's true in sports is true in life. I'm gonna quote a couple of famous coaches today. Anybody heard of Vince Lombardi? Arguably one of the famous greatest football coaches ever? He led the Packers to nine Super Bowl rings in seven years, three straight at one point. Listen to what he said, Vince Lombardi. The dictionary is the only place that success comes before hard work. Don't you love that? I mean, could you just, you got to teach that to your kids, okay? This is fantastic language here. Hard work is the price we must pay for success. I am convinced, he says. I think that you can accomplish anything if you're willing to pay the price is that true in life yes or no so many people want to find easy street have you noticed lately in our culture like where's the path of least resistance where's easy street matt actually found it our your campus pastor matt randall here's easy street <laughs> <laughs> we try to help matt not to take easy street around here no i'm just kidding He actually never takes easy street he's a very diligent worker uh, but lots of people looking for easy street. Where is it at? In fact, in our culture today, many people are developing, have developed an entitlement mentality. Have you noticed? What is an entitlement mentality? It's simply this attitude that says, hey, since I'm here, you owe me. Like I, I'm a human being and you must pay me. You must reward me. You must honor me. You must respect me. It's this, this, this idea that somehow, because you showed up, you get access to privileges and benefits. And it's, 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 it's becoming more and more of, the, of a, a pervasive thought pattern in our world today. Who's to blame? Older people. That's right, you heard me. Older people. Who, who's creating this, 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 this philosophy in our world today? It's the adults, the supposed adults. Let's give everybody a reward. You know, two teams compete, everybody gets a trophy. See, back in the day... The team that won got the trophy. Now everybody gets one. Have you noticed this, right? You don't want to make anybody feel bad, so, you know, you give everybody a trophy. I, I, I looked this up the other day, I couldn't believe this. There's a school in Tennessee that, that said, no more valedictorian. We're gonna, we're gonna do away with it, no more valedictorian. Now, the, di- the, the idea of a valedictorian is that you're the number one in your class. GPA, other things, whatever, you know, you're, 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 you're the best. This school said, no, 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 that makes everybody else feel bad, so, so they have 48 valedictorians. 48. No, you look it up. It's a school in Tennessee. 48. Imagine going to college and they say, hey, you know, how'd you do in high school? I was valedictorian. But so were 47 others. <laughs> what? Wait, time out? What? Because valedictorian means you were number one, but you were, obviously you weren't number one because there were 47 others. So... So, the whole concept of, of removing, you know, this, this rewarding those who, who perform the best actually devalues performance. And it says to the best performers, well, it's really not, you know, don't really work that hard because everyone else is going to get the same reward as you. We're doing this in our culture more and more and more today. Who's doing it? The adults are doing this because we don't want people to feel bad. We don't want to tell people, actually, you stink at that. You're really bad. Yeah, like you can't play that sport. You're terrible. Like your voice, not a singing voice, try something else. Like, we're, like we don't want to say those things to people. And that's how people show up on American Idol and no one's ever told them they suck. Like they're terrible. <laughs> so then, the, then, the, then the, the, the judges have to get up there and say, you should never touch a microphone again. And they're, oh, everybody has said I was so good. You know, it's like, dude, come on, get with it. See, see we, we're, we're, we, the adults are creating this environment. Reward everybody, right? Give everybody a trophy. It's a terrible, terrible situation in our country today. The, does the Bible teach this stuff? No, it doesn't. The Bible actually teaches the opposite. And here's, what, here's what's, what's, what's dangerous about the whole entitlement thing. It's setting young people up for devastation when they get into the workplace. Because when they get in the real world, you know, a place where you actually earn a paycheck, and their boss doesn't reward them for showing up, you know. <laughs> they don't get the raise. They don't get a promotion. They, actually, they do get that stuff if they pay the what? The price, right? But they've never paid the price earlier previously, so they're like, they show up and they expect raises and promotions, and they don't get it. They're disillusioned. What does the Bible teach about this? Father to son, Proverbs, listen to this, father to his son, all hard work, son, pay attention, bring, say it with me, profit. You put in the effort, you're going to get paid. But when you just talk about stuff, hey, one day I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and Guess what? That leads to poverty. In other words, when you don't put in the work, when you don't pay the price, don't expect the reward. You know who else taught this? The Apostle Paul taught this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Those unwilling to work will not get to, say it with me, Eat. Now, he didn't say those who cannot work. There are some people who are disabled. They physically cannot work. That's a different story. He's saying those who are able but unwilling, those who don't want to pay the price, they will not get to reap the rewards. This is a biblical principle. Let me look at one more passage. Galatians 6, verse 7. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, whatever you put in the ground, you will also reap. Don't expect to reap any benefits if you're not willing to pay the price and put in the work. You with me, yes or no? That is what the Bible teaches. And, that, and here's, what, here's, what, here's what adults do. Adults simply understand this concept and like, look, if I want anything good in my life, anything worth having in my life is not, not going to come easy, so I am going to pay the price to have the good marriage, to have the finances that, that, that bring peace, to have a, a relationship with God that, that brings me life They simply pay the price. Jesus taught this, just in case you're wondering what Jesus thought about paying the price. Jesus actually taught that you cannot be a disciple if you don't pay the price. He taught this. What I'm about to show you are some, some difficult words from the mouth of Jesus. They have nothing to do with your eternal destination of going to heaven. They have everything to do with the condition of your life right now. See, discipleship starts now before we die. And, and discipleship in the Bible is described as a quality of life, a life of hope and joy. It, sometimes Jesus would call it abundant life or being satisfied with the living water or eating the bread of life and having yourself filled. It's a quality of life and that involves hope and joy and love and healing and wholeness and strength. That's what Jesus is talking about in these, ver- in these words. So don't misinterpret what he's saying here. Luke chapter 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. What in the world is he talking about? What's interesting about this passage is that he begins talking or giving this little mini-sermon because a large crowd came around him. Now, typically when large crowds start to form spiritual leaders and preachers and communicators, they, they, they bring out their best stuff because they sense momentum. Oh, man, we got something going here. Jesus, instead of bringing out some of his best stuff, maybe from the Sermon on the Mount, a couple of snippets here and there, Jesus brings out his hardest, most difficult teaching about the price that must be paid to be a disciple. If you fail to hate your father, mother, brother, sister... Even your own life can't be my disciple. What is he teaching? Well, we know he's not teaching literally to hate because Jesus never taught that. He, in fact, he said, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Didn't he say, love your enemies and pray for them? Yes or no, you ask me? So Jesus never taught us to hate anything. So if he doesn't teach us to hate, what is he teaching here? Here's the idea, and he was wide open for misinterpretation here, which is amazing. Basically, basically what Jesus is saying is, unless your love for me is so high and so extreme that your love for all other things, including your own life, looks like hatred when you compare the two unless you love me that much you cannot enter into this life of discipleship I'm offering you now if that weren't harsh enough he adds to it look what he says in the next phrase and (laughs) in addition whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple whoa what does a cross do in in the time of Jesus what does it do i mean i know we wear them around our neck now i have a little ring here with a cross on it and it's like a nice little symbol but back in those days what did, what, what did a cross do to people it killed them like it, today, it would be like wearing a, a little uh, uh electric chair on your ring or a little electric chair around the you know or a lethal injection syringe around your neck that's what a cross it's an instrument of death jesus says unless you are willing to die Not physically, okay? Don't line up to go get yourself physically crucified. Unless you're willing to die, how? To your own will, to your own ego, to your own selfishness, to having your own way every single day. You know that part of you, anybody familiar with that part of you that wants your own way? No? Am I the only one? (laughs) Unless you're willing to have that part of you die and be crucified, you cannot be my disciple. Now at this point, If I was there, if I was like me and Pete, you know, Pete, no, Pete, maybe James, John, Pete. I'm hearing this sermon. Here's what I'm thinking. Jesus, Jesus, this one's not going well. Everybody's leaving. (laughs) The crowd is dispersing. You've had better days. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? Man, the crowds were coming. This one's not one of your, your best sermons. Shut it down. Shut it down. Not only does he not shut it down, he presses in. He says, and I have two examples for you. (laughs) It's kind of like a guy, Jesus says in the next phrase, he says, it's kind of like a guy who sets out to build a tower. Doesn't he first sit down and calculate whether or not he has enough money to build this tower? And if he doesn't, and he starts and he lays the foundation, he doesn't have any money, and then he can't finish it, the whole neighborhood says, oh, there's the idiot who didn't have enough money. Now, I'm paraphrasing. Count the cost. Here's his point. Pay the price. Count the cost before you decide to build. Then he says another example. It's kind of like a king who's got 10,000 soldiers. He wants to go fight another king who's got 20,000 soldiers. Doesn't this king first and foremost sit down with his team, with his lieutenants, with his soldiers and say, can we defeat this army of 20,000? And if they cannot, does he not send out a delegation to resolve the issue before the battle starts? Yes, he does. His point is this. There is a price that you have to pay if you want to win a battle or build a tower or be my disciple. And then he adds this in verse 33. In the same way as the king, in the same way that the guy who built the tower sat down and counted the cost, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Again, oh my gosh, what are you talking about, Jesus? Do I have to sell my car and sell my house and be homeless and live on the street and get rid of all my really cool basketball shoes? I got some KDs. (laughs) They're sweet. They were a gift last year. Still don't know who gave them to me. Anyway, do I have to give all that stuff away in order to be a disciple? No, he's not saying that. He's not saying that. Because if you did, you'd be homeless. How are you going to get to work? He's not saying give all your stuff away. He's just saying you need to value me as your most prized possession greater than everything else, so much so that everything else you own, you can easily live without. You don't have to literally give it away. It just has to have that little value to you compared to the value that I have in your life. And if you don't value me that high, if you don't love me that high, you simply cannot enter into the fullness of life that I've come to offer you. Again, folks, this is a heavy price. I'm not talking about going to heaven when you die. That's a free gift. Jesus offers it to us by dying on the cross for us and rising again. It's, it's pain. We're going to talk about that at the end of this sermon. I'm talking about a quality of life right now. There's a price to pay. There's always a price to pay. And you and I have to decide if the price is worth the price. John Wooden is one of the famous, most famous basketball coaches of all time. He he led the uh, UCLA Bruins to 10 national titles in 12 years. Seven in a row at one point. Six times he was named the national coach of the year. Anybody familiar with John Wooden? Love what he said about this. Understand. You could almost hear him telling his players this. Understand. There is a price to be paid for achieving anything of significance. You must be willing to say it with me pay the price. Adults, I'm telling you, adults simply understand this and they say, I'm paying the price so that I can experience the significance and the success. Some of you might be thinking, well, I don't think you really have to pay the price. I'm doing okay. My life's not that bad. I like easy street. I like just getting by, doing the going the path of least resistance. It's worked out so far. The key term there is so far. See, there's always a price in your notes there. Those unwilling to pay the price will pay a price. There's always a price. You don't want to adult, there's a price. You like the path of immaturity, there's a price. It might take two decades to get there, but you will pay. John Maxwell is a leadership development coach, author, former pastor. I read lots of his stuff, and I used to teach it to our students when I was the high school pastor here John Maxwell said this, I used to quote this to our students all the time, you can pay now on the front end and play later, or you can play now on the front end and pay later, either way you will pay. How many of you know somebody right now that they've played for two decades, played around with their sexuality, sleeping with this person, this person, this person, you know, By? Now they got a kid with this person, they got a kid with this person, they picked up an STD. They played, and now they're what? On the back end of the two decades. What are they doing? They're paying the price. They didn't get serious and self, and get their sexuality under control on the front end, and now they're paying on the back end, Literally. How many of you know people with their finances, you know, for decades, you know, just play around with their finances, charge this, buy this, get into the debt, no problem, borrow, borrow, borrow. Two decades later, now what's going on? After a marriage breakup and job loss, they're paying with a bankruptcy, they're paying, they're drowning in debt, credit card debt, stress. They played, and now they're paying. See how that works? If you're unwilling to adult, if you're unwilling to adult on the front end, you will pay on the back end. I love what Jim Rome said. He, he put it this way. Everyone must choose one of two pains. The pain of discipline, adulting, being responsible, doing the right thing when it needs to be done, or the pain of regret. How many of you know somebody right now is paying the pain of regret? How many of you are paying the pain of regret? Raise your hand. Go ahead. It's okay. I don't know what it is, but you're paying the pain of regret. Because on the front end, you didn't do what you needed to do. You didn't adult for a decade or two. And now on the back end, you have the regrets. Maybe it's in a marriage, a couple of marriages, broken relationships. Maybe you don't talk to a son, you don't talk to a daughter, don't talk to a parent. That friendship is over, gone, you know. Maybe your health is failing now. You know, people don't want to eat well and exercise on the front end. They want to do whatever they want to do with their, ex- with their food and their diet. Two decades go by, now they're paying the price with what? High blood pressure, diabetes, this and that. Their health is failing, problems internally. you could take this pill, Gotta take that pill, they take this pill. Anybody know anybody like that? See? There is always a price for playing on the front end. Oh, he's going to, you know, do what I want to do. You'll pay. This is what father, father to a son. Again, Solomon to his son. Listen to what he says, Proverbs 28. Those who work their land will have an abundance of food. You can say abundance of joy, abundance of health, abundance of, uh, of trust inside of a relationship, abundance of financial margin in your life. I don't know what the abundance is but there's an abundance because you chose to put in the work you chose to pay the price but those who chase fantasies (laughs) will have their fill of poverty again financial poverty relationship poverty poverty in your relationship with god you see how this all works there's always a price let me give you two ideas here on on how to help you pay the price those of you are ready to hear it some of you aren't ready to hear it that's okay that's okay. I understand it. Crowd this size, many of you are not ready to hear it. Some of you are ready to hear it, so let's get down to business. Number one, you have to commit daily. If you are ready to pay the price and hashtag adult, okay, you're going you're to commit every single day to pay the price. See, every now and then is not going to help. Every, coming to church every now and then is not going to work. Like Some people come to church like once every six months, and then when they come up, they come down front and they smile and they say, I'm here. And they expect me to be like, oh, dude, it's awesome. Haven't seen you in six months, but it's great you're here. Ain't going to work. Ain't going to work. Okay. Some of you go to the gym like once a week. You think, oh, I'm doing good. Not going to work. Every once in a while doesn't work. You ask me yes or no. Some of you had a salad last week. You're like, I had a salad last week. <laughs> Listen, one salad last week will not work. Cause See, every now and then does not work. You have to do this every single day. Listen to what Jesus said about following him. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 Whoever wants to be my disciple, my student, my apprentice, my understudy, must deny themselves and take up their cross. We talked about what that meant a few moments ago. Every once in a while. Is that what he says? No, no, no. Jesus understood the commitment of daily. He's like this deal has to be every single day, you must take up your cross daily and follow me if you want to experience abundant life and joy and peace and character transformation and hope and have strength to forgive and to love if you want to be my follower if you want to be like me you have to commit every single day listen every single day I call my wife around 9 15 9 30 every day and I just call her up it's about a five minute call hey honey how you doing how's how's the morning going how'd that thing go How'd that conversation go? She's got stuff going on. She's doing stuff. Hey, I love you. Can't wait to see you tonight. You know, and I'll say some other stuff I can't say in public, <laughs> you know? And then five minutes, five minutes, the phone is off. Every single day. Why do I do it daily? I'm telling you, here's why. I am cultivating what I call the sweetness. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I say the sweetness? The sweetness is this tenderness. It's this feel. It's this, the only way I can describe it is the fact that, that my wife likes me. Okay. 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 So like biblically, she's supposed to love me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like God's supposed to love us biblically. Like that. that's just, she's supposed to love me. But, but, but liking is different. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, here's the sweetness. Ready? Long day, walk in the door. My husband's home. She comes over. The sweetness, the touch, the kiss. I love physical touch. She kisses me. It's the sweet. How, How did we get that sweetness? It wasn't always there. I tell you what, it's not only the daily phone call, but the daily phone call. The sweetness. I love you. I'm committed to you. I'm excited about you. I'm blessed to be married to you. Every single day we do that. Something else I do every day is I just get up in the morning and I read the scriptures. I spend time in prayer every single day. Even on vacation, on vacation. Even when you go on a mission trip to Mexico or, or or Nicaragua, on in Nicaragua every single day. Even on Sundays when you preach on Father's Day, every single day. I get up in the morning and I create this window, this space, and I pray and I read the scriptures and I meditate and I journal a few thoughts. Why? I'm after the sweetness between me and Jesus. I want to hear his voice. I want him to answer my prayers. I want to hear his direction for my life. I want him to help me. I, w- I want to be close to him. So, so what am I doing? I'm paying the price on the front end. I'm dying to myself. I'm picking up my cross every day. Why? I want the sweetness with Jesus. Somebody's like, oh, I didn't know you had to do that to be close to God. <laughs> yes. And you have to do that with any area of your life if you want to experience goodness. There's two things that I love about daily commitments. Number one, it creates a habit. What is a habit? It's something you do every day without thinking. You know what I'm talking about? Okay? Some people say it takes 21 days to form a habit. I think that's garbage. I've done stuff for 21 days before. On the 22nd day, I broke that sucker. <laughs> okay? Okay? Did, remember I did no caffeine for 21 days? What did I do on day 22? I had some caffeine, okay? I did no food for 21 days. No food for 21 days. I ate on the 22nd day, okay? It takes, it's not 21 days. It's 270 days. Hey, it's 365 days. It might even be 570 days. I don't know how many days. Here's what it, here's what it is. You do it every day until you do it every day. And then you have a habit. So I call my wife because I'm a great husband. Nice. No, have a habit. I spend time with Jesus every day in the morning. Why? Because I'm spiritual. No, I just have a habit. I just have a habit. That's what I do every day. And there's other things I do every single day. And the other thing I love about daily commitments is the compound effect. It just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. Until you have a mountain of, I don't know, finances, a mountain of energy for physical health, a mountain of intimacy with God, a mountain of sweetness in your marriage, a mountain of great relationship with with your kids. I don't know. Whatever mountain it is you're trying to build, there's a compound effect to the daily commitment. You with me, yes or no? I love what John Maxwell said about this. I read this quote a couple years ago. You'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of your success is found in your daily agenda. He used to say, show me your daily agenda and I'll show you whether or not you're going to be a success in life. Wow. And then number two, you've got to get comfortable getting uncomfortable. I love this one. Love this one. See, the reason we don't pay the price is because it's sweaty, it's hot, it's bothersome. You got to do stuff you're not good at, right? Like the, re- the reason we like the comfort zone is because it's safe, it's predictable, right? It doesn't require anything of us. We're used to it. But if we're going to mature, we've got to step outside of our comfort zone, have conversations that we don't want to have, right? Do things that we're not good at. That's how we step out into maturity. I have a blog, some of you know, some of you know about it, most of you don't. I started it about three years ago. Not many readers. Here's why I don't have many readers, because I don't have many posts. (laughs) If you want to sign up, it's dannyanderson.net. It'd be nice and kind of you to do that. You can sign up for my little blog there. But the reason that I struggle with my blog is because I don't like to write. And the reason I don't like to write is because I'm uncomfortable. I start sitting down to write. I can give a talk a 30-minute talk, it's great. I can get up here, tell some stories, share some scriptures, blah, blah, blah. It's fun. I can do it. Writing? Oh man, I put a couple sentences together and it's like, man, that doesn't make sense. People are gonna hate that. <laughs> I can't spell. I don't know where the punctuation goes. Is that a comma? Is that a hyphen? Is that a colon? Whatever, right? I have flashbacks from college. I can see all the red marks on my papers. Anybody else? Like, why did the teachers use red marks? Like every red mark was a dagger. Here's what it said to me. You're stupid, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're dumb. They could've used green. Nope, they used red. So I struggle to write a blog. But I do wanna help people, so I'm, I'm committed. So I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. And I'm getting uncomfortable, and now I'm writing about a blog a week for the last five weeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> making progress, making progress. How many of you ever heard of Michelangelo? Arguably one of the, fav- one of the greatest artists of all time. He painted the ceiling in the Sistine Chapel. Some of you have maybe seen a picture of it. All of these are paintings by his hand. It took him four years to do it. Some of them are 13 feet long. The most famous one is where God and Adam are reaching out to each other. And it's, it, it, it comes across like, wow, what a gifted man. What, what an incredible artist. But it ended up being something that he hated. He actually wrote a poem about how much he hated painting this. He almost went blind because he was looking up, painting like this, and the paint was coming in his eyes. Almost went blind. This is what he had to say about his mastery. If people knew how hard I had to work to gain my mastery, it wouldn't seem wonderful at all. And this is what's true in life there's always a price you want to you want to grow up you want to mature you want to you want to do something great you want to have something great you want to have something worth having it is going to cost you dearly what effort and hard work all hard work leads to profit mere talk leads to poverty is the way that david said it but when you really think about it and i have thought about this pretty deeply you know, I don't like to focus on paying the price. I mean, I mean you wake up every day and you're like, oh, life is hard and you don't want to live, and it's gets, oh, it's just, ugh, life can be a burden, right? When you think about all the stuff, all the prices you have to pay. Relationships, finance, all this different thing. And I've kind of switched my mind on that. I think Zig Ziglar said it best. This this is great. This is so true. He said, you don't pay the price for success in any area of your life. You enjoy the benefits. And I got to thinking about that in my marriage. You know, I, we don't have a perfect marriage, but we have this sweetness thing going on. We celebrate 19 years in August. It's incredible. And and I started thinking about all the prices that w- that Jackie has paid to put up with me. And then the prices that I have paid to fix me. <laughs> you know... Humility and swallowing my pride, and, and you know, those are the big ones. But, but learning to serve my wife, learning to listen to my wife, okay? Price after price after price after price after price after price after price. After price. And it used to be difficult. Now it's like, well, I don't look at it like that anymore. Now it's like I, the price is easy because of the benefits. The sweetness, the fellowship, the friendship, the love, the tenderness, the care. My wife has got my back. A hundred percent. She is faithful, she is loyal, and she respects me. Wow. I can't even believe I can say that. Because there was a time in our marriage that wasn't true. And I'm not saying we don't have room to grow, but now it's like, what what wouldn't I pay to experience those benefits? Anything? There's nothing. I would pay anything. Right? Same thing with my relationship with God. Like, what, would I, what wouldn't I pay to experience a closeness and intimacy with Jesus Christ? There's nothing. What, what do I got to do? Fast? Pray? Silence? Solitude? Sometimes I, I go down south for two three days by myself in silence and solitude. And I get away from everything just to make sure that Jesus and I are walking together. Just did it about a month ago. What what price? What price? Any price so that I can experience closeness with God. Man, that is called becoming an adult. Now, there are other areas I'm not willing to pay the price, and I'm still a child. (laughs) And I'm learning to adult just like you are. But I love what what Matt Frazier said. Anybody know who Matt Frazier is? We're we're about to wrap this thing up here. It's like the fittest. He won, 2016, he won the fittest human being on earth. I think he won it again in 2017. He won the CrossFit Championship uh, deal. And he's like a little tank, you know, just a ball of muscle. And I love the way he, what he said about this. He said, I don't have an addiction to suffering because you have to suffer to be the fittest person on earth. He said, I don't have an addiction to suffering. I have an addiction to what the product of suffering is. Don't. See, if you can get this, if you can understand, it's, it's not about focusing on oh, all the hard work and the lifting weights and the running and, the, and the, all these different things I have to do to, to win. It's not about the price. It's about the product of the price. And if you can become addicted to the product of the price, paying the price will become fun. It'll become part of life. I get to, you get to pay the price now. That's what life is about. It's one gigantic price so that you can experience the benefit of the price yes or no is this crazy i could be crazy there's crazy people out there 48 valedictorians there's crazy people out there <laughs> i could be one of them i'm not sure i don't think so but you test it out you start to become addicted to the price of or to the product of the price and see if it doesn't change your life see if you won't come to the table and pay any price so that you can experience the life that you you're created for i think we're onto to something here what do you think let me ask you a question. What are you missing out on because you're refusing to pay the price? Is it a better marriage? More energy because, you know, you haven't been taking care of your body and your diet's out of control? Is it financial peace that you're missing out on because you, you, you let your finances just go and debt is mounting? and I don't know. Are you missing out on an on a intimate relationship with God because you've just kind of been haphazard with your discipleship? What are you missing out on because you're refusing to pay the price? I don't know. Only you can answer that. I'm just telling you that, that everything in life exacts a price. And you have to decide in your heart and mind, is the price worth the prize? And once you decide, man, you're going to start paying that price and, you, and your life is going change. A couple days ago, my friend Adam shared a quote with me from an old dead guy named John Calvin. Anybody know who John Calvin is? Had major influence on Christianity and he's got a set of commentaries on the Bible. Adam said to me, uh, he said, you know, John Calvin said that from the moment that Jesus started to take on the form of a servant, he began to pay the price for our liberation. So that he could redeem us let me say it again because it's so so good he said from the moment that jesus began to take on the form of a servant he began to pay the price for our freedom our liberation so that we could be redeemed jesus said it this way about himself in Matthew 20, even the Son of Man didn't come to be served. Come on, come on, come on, bow down to me, serve me, serve me, feed me, serve me. No, he didn't come to be served. He came to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, it's as if sin has trapped us. It's as if the devil has kidnapped us and we're being held as prisoners. So when Jesus comes to earth and he dies on the cross, he's paying the price to set us free from the penalty of sin and death. See, when it comes to experiencing a relationship with God forever and eternity, you don't have to pay the price because the price has already been paid by Christ on the cross. All you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is receive the ransom payment. He gave his life so that you could go free. It's a price that you couldn't pay. You couldn't pay for your own sin. You couldn't conquer the penalty of sin and death in your life. And that's why Jesus came into this world. Some of you need to step into that right now. You're watching online. I don't know what campus you're at. You need to step into this right now and put your faith in Christ and be set free from the power of sin and death. If you'd like to do that, I'm going to say a simple prayer of faith. Take these words, make them your own, and place your faith in Christ. Say this to Him right now, just right now, wherever you're at. Dear Jesus, I believe you paid the penalty for my sin, you paid the price. You died on the cross to set me free. Cleanse me today, wash me, make me as white as snow. Remove the guilt and the shame. I trust you. From this point on, help me to pay the price to be your disciple, to love you, to value you as supreme in my life such that everything else, even my own life, pales in comparison to my love for you. I want to be your child today. So I place my faith in you. Teach me to love you, to honor you, and to obey you. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, our church loves to celebrate, don't we guys? Come on, raise it high. Nice and high. Amen. Give him praise today. He's bringing people back into a relationship with God. He's redeeming people. He's reconciling people. He's putting people back into a relationship with himself. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to put a New Testament in your hands. Whatever campus you're at, there's tables in the back of the auditorium. If you pray to receive Christ online just now, there's a little box there that you can check that says, I accepted Christ. Put your address there. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give it up? Can we give God praise? Hey, there's always a price. There's always a price. Commit daily and Get comfortable being uncomfortable. I promise you, you will start to see a difference. Right now, we're going to hand things off to our local pastors. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.